When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, we have here in our Hollywood Life studio today, the two producer-directors, Jimmy Chin and Chai Vazzarelli. Welcome. Hi. Hi, it's great to be here. (laughs) It's great to have you guys here. And um, I have to say, I am still like sweating from watching the movie. It is, um, it follows the journey of a free solo climber, and that's why I guess you called it free solo, called Alex Honnold, and he climbed, he did an infamous thing. He climbed the El Capitan um, wall on Yosemite is Mountain. Is that what you guys Yosemite, call it? In Yosemite, Yosemite National Park. Yosemite. Yes. I'm yes. Canadian. I don't know how to pronounce it's okay. anything. That's okay. okay. It's Yosemite National Park, and the mountain's called El Capitan. So um, that was like the most amazing thing. And I think that most of our listeners are not sort of like, they're not followers of mountain climbing and of what free solo is. And so um, it'd be great if one of you could just describe what climbing free solo actually is and what like a feat this was to go up Yosemite from this particular side. Yes. Well, free solo climbing is climbing without a rope or any sort of safety equipment, meaning he's just climbing with his hands and his feet. Uh, and any sort of mistake is fatal. The reason why free soloing Al Cap is such a legendary feat is because it's a 3,000 foot wall and it's very steep and very difficult climbing. Uh, many people spend, you know, three to five days climbing on it. Uh, with and that's ropes. with ropes. Yes. And, uh, you know, he climbed, he climbed it in three hours and 56 minutes uh, without any kind of safety equipment. Uh, and really, it's, you know, considered one of the greatest athletic feats of all time, just because, you know, climbing at that level without a rope takes total commitment and is truly, you know, even for seasoned climbers, unthinkable. It really is. I mean, it is just, I have to commend you both and your entire crew because it is filmed so beautifully, but it it's, it's breathtaking, but you really see like when you're describing it, it's just when you see the film, like he literally is gripping on with just his fingers and he just uses chalk and going up the side of this mountain, and it looks like a sheer wall to, to people who are don't know what climbing is about. To me, it just looks sheer. Like, I can't even... It is even, a sheer wall. Yeah, yeah I would like, say it probably is a sheer wall. You just can't even believe that he's clinging on. He really looks like Spider-Man. Yes. Except that he's not a superhero. He's just... He's a person who trains for this. 
And um, and so it is just the most incredible feat. I, I kind of feel like it is the most incredible athletic feat, I think, ever in the world to, I don't know, you've, now, Jimmy, you've yeah. also climbed Everest, so yes. that has very different challenges. But. Yes, uh, but I've also been filming and, and uh, shooting uh, in this kind of vertical mountain world for 20 years, and I've worked with the top athletes at the peak of their careers and you know he is truly a standout even among the best of the best i think uh, among his peer group even there's nobody like him and and i think his peer group understands that as well now for the listeners um and for people who may go to see the film and we hope that lots of you do go and see the film um most of the people who do free soloing like who make this their career and climb these kind of of sheer walls without ropes, don't most of them end up dying quite young? Like do any of them retire of old age? Yes, most of them have died uh, in one type of accident or another. But, you know, the thing about Alex and and, and what the film tries to address is, you know, I think a lot of people just think he's crazy or that he is, uh, you know, not thoughtful about his life. And really, I think what people will discover is that he actually loves life and that everything he does is intentional. And uh, he also falls in love over the course of the film. You know, he meets this young woman named Sani, and that really brings up some of the dilemmas that... Uh, you might imagine someone like Alex might, might face uh, when it comes to the people around him. Uh, and he has this obsession with, with this free solo of El Cap. And, you know, I think you'll discover, you know, over the course of the film, uh, hopefully, you know, why someone would want to do that. I think that's a really, really interesting aspect of the film and that you definitely are very successful in capturing the fact that he isn't crazy and that he really um, that he's really on a quest for perfection and that you talk about these uh, like his he and he you have him talk about his philosophical approach to life and raise the questions of what is the value of life? Like, what is your goal in life? What's the reason to be here? And if you're driven to, he wants really to do something that is of perfection. And for free, free soloing, you have to be perfect because one mistake and it's fatal. And so I think um, you definitely watch and don't come away with feeling like maybe you go into the film thinking the guy's got to be a nut a nutbag because who else would do this, <laughs> or that he's an adrenaline junkie, but you absolutely successfully and he successfully conveys why it's so important for him to do this as part of his quest for life. Yeah, it's uh, it's his calling and it's his craft and it gives him meaning, and uh, I think that you know a lot of people might not think they could ever relate to something like what he's doing. But I think people can relate to that idea of being really passionate about something. What made, first of all, what made you want to tell his story? And 
Um, how, like, how hard was it to convince him to do this? What were some of the challenges in getting it done? Because I think there was cha- a lot of challenges in, in um, convincing him and just even along the way. And you show some of those challenges in staying with the project. I don't think we ever had to convince him. Um, I, I don't think we ever had to convince him. I think that everyone involved was very committed from the very beginning. Um, but back to the perfection idea, I think it's less, I think the more that we live with this film, it becomes almost less about the perfection than about the courage that Alex had to try to live the life he wants to live. Um, so not the courage to climb It's El, just El the Cap. courage to pursue your, pursue your dream. And it just happens to be that what he's tried to do requires perfection. Um, but that Alex really, for people who are climbers or non-climbers, he can inspire us to think about the life we, we want to live and give us strength and courage to try to pursue that. Because um, I think our intention always with the film starts with this anecdote about Alex as a child where he began climbing without a rope because it was scary to speak to another person. So it was easier for him to go out by himself with that instead of, and so if you're by alone, you can't use a rope because no one's there to support you. And that idea that this kid who couldn't even talk to somebody else worked through with process, with method, with discipline, with determination, and also with vision and this desire to connect with other people. He taught himself how to eat vegetables. He taught himself how to hug. He taught himself how to speak to strangers. He taught himself to have the, the mental strength to free solo El Cap. And that's kind of the that what's always attracted Jimmy and, and myself to the story. It's just that Alex, we could empathize with that fear and at the same time really admired and were inspired by this ability to move through your fears with process and with method. Right. He talks about how he's try, he tries to uh, kind of expand his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So by methodically really um he did a lot of practicing it wasn't like he just went out and climbed it mm-hmm. like how many times do you think he climbed it in practice with rope and equipment and he climbs with a fellow climber to really learn it i mean he practiced uh with a number of different partners and he'd kind of wear them out and then <laughs> you know, move on. But he also would practice by himself uh, with ropes uh, coming in from above and and just working on each different section. And there was obviously a, quite a few very difficult sections that he was focused on. Very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> like even for, even he admitted they were difficult. Yeah. And and really, I mean, his, his kind of superpower that none of his peer group can understand and and that includes me is just his ability to kind of manage fear. You know, he has absolute control over his mind uh, in situations that, you know, no one would be normally be able to do. I mean, even if you're a top athlete, you know, at, in the end of a NBA championship game or the Super Bowl, you know, where the pressure is extraordinarily high, uh, you know, people sometimes crack under that pressure and they fumble the ball or they miss the shot. Uh, in this case, the pressure is much, much greater than that. And yet he has to hold it together. Yeah. I mean, that's in, it is incredible. And uh, yeah, because one little tiny slip and he's plummeting, you know, 3,000 feet to yeah. his death. There's, and there's, it's not like in, 
you know, fantasy movies where you can grab something and <laughs> no. cling on. I mean, there's nothing sticking out. No, you're done. That's it. Um, yeah, he said, I try to expand my comfort zone by practicing the moves over and over again and move through them so many times that it's not scary. But do you think, because this comes up in the film, that he actually there's something about his brain that makes him not as afraid or not get aroused by fear. I mean, I think that's a question and that's why we, we really went into that examination to the film with the, where he gets a brain scan, an MRI of his brain. And our opinion is that, and I, I, we agree with Alex is that after 10 years of this, of this type of activity of free soloing that he's kind of burnt out his amygdala. It's just this threshold for <laughs> That's fear. That's the part in your yes, brain that, that controls fear. fear. Yes, because he definitely feels fear. He's scared of a lot of things. Just this particular thing he's worked on for so long that he just doesn't feel the same type of fear. It's like this extreme exposure therapy that he's put himself through. Right, extreme exposure therapy. That's an yeah. interesting way to put it. And he's practiced kind of managing it as well. You know, I think he's been free soloing for a long time and he's kind of incrementally... Uh, you know, maybe burned out his amygdala, but also, you know, has the capacity to understand how to manage it. But this was also something that you guys were concerned about in filming, that you were adding, potentially adding pressure to him, like adding another layer of pressure on top of just the the potential terror of be, getting into a position where he couldn't move or he couldn't safely make a next move that you were worried that that just having the cameras there or that you might disturb something to throw him off and so wasn't that something that you contended with as filmmakers i mean it's the ex existential question at the heart of the film right if if we we're filming is he most more likely to fall yes and it, we wouldn't be responsible unless we looked at that head on and really sat with it and and thought about it and formulated how we could possibly approach that. I mean, it's the, it's the central ethical question. And for us, you know, ultimately would come down to whether we believe in Alex and whether we trusted his judgment and whether he trusted us to do our jobs the right way. And even that, though, even if we trust Alex, every decision he would make, we also had to believe in the why he's doing it. Like Alex has thought very deeply about his own mortality. He's probably thought much more about it than any of us because he thinks about it every day. He's right. faced with it every day. Right. And this is exactly the life he wants to live. And he understands the consequences. And that was something very beautiful and admirable for both of us that and it inspired us, this idea of like a life of intention. Clearly we didn't think anything wrong would, go, would happen under our watch, but we had to ex respect his reasons for doing it. You know, but we also went to great lengths to mitigate the risks, which Jimmy can describe a little more vividly. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yes, what did you do? Because there was scenes where, like, some of the, the videographers mm -hmm. didn't want to look. Yeah. Like, we're too scared to watch. 
Yes. Well, he was actually doing it. And yes. I come, I mean, my hands are sweating just talking about it. <laughs> but when I was watching the film, like from the moment it started, they were, my hands were sweaty. Right. I was, I'm scared of heights anyway, but I just, even though, I mean, Alex, I'm sorry, guys, spoiler alert, but he's alive. <laughs> okay. Any of you who go on social media, you'll see he's got an Instagram. Yeah. So even though I knew that, you, it doesn't make a difference. You still are like gripping while you're watching. So, yes, I mean, it, I think you guys watching, can watch at a certain points. <laughs> Alex some, says that watching free soloing is uh, oftentimes more scary than it is actually free soloing. Which I still disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still think, I don't know. like, I, don't know. I mean, yes, but we did try to mitigate the pressure. You know, part of the, uh, the deal was that, you know, to even be on the production team, you had to be a professional climber, an elite professional climber. You, absolutely. Just to be able to move around on El Cap, you know, it's right, this ocean you, of granite. It's 3,000 foot wall. And you, you guys know. were literally hanging there too, but you were roped in. Yes. But still. I yes. Mean. So they had to be professional, elite professional climbers, but they also had to be world-class cinematographers, uh, meaning there's only a few people in the world who could do it. Uh, but being an elite professional climber also meant that you know, everybody understood what it feels like to be filmed as well. And so we were all very sensitive to, you know, how that feels. And, and you know, we tried to mitigate any of the uh, issues that arise when, you know, you're filming uh, high angle in high angle terrain, meaning, you know, we were always really efficient and quick. And so Alex was never waiting for anybody or Alex... Uh, also trusted us implicitly because he knew that, you know, we were uh, very safe and we knew exactly what we were doing. And so there was this trust that was happening between Alex and the crew uh, that was really critical. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to make the film otherwise. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you really did have to have... Um people who were filming who were very comfortable hanging off a sheer rock because even if you're yes. roped in i mean most people would still be up beyond terrified yes like I just mean, to we, get in those positions yeah yeah. i mean we spent well over 30 days just on el cap not to mention all these other formations but you know we we're uh going to work every morning and rappelling in to a, over the edge on a three thousand foot wall how scary was that for you? Well, we we do we do for a living. We 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 are professionals, so it's it's uh, you know pretty normal for us. Oh. But it's still always scary. <laughs> Come on, admit it. Oh, it's always it's it's better than coffee at five in the morning when you step over the edge <laughs> and there's three thousand feet of air below you. Uh, it's exhilarating, uh, but we understand the safety systems. We have a lot of redundancies and everything that we have set up. So, when you say redundancies, what does that mean? Meaning in that terms there's of safety? safety systems in case there's one failure in one of your systems. There's a backup. Sometimes there's two or three backups. So. Uh, we are very familiar with kind of moving in that terrain. You're familiar. So you made sure that you were like, there were extra ropes and various things. So like there was, so that you, were you doing like more redundancies than normal? No, we were just trying to be really safe up there, you know? And that just meant that, that meant that we, 
you know, you had to be really careful when you're changing lenses. Or if you dropped a lens cap, it could fly, uh, you know, several hundred feet and hit Alex. Uh, you had to be, you know, very efficient with how you're moving just because of, you know, the daylight hours and being able to get everything done that you needed to get done before it got dark. And I mean, oftentimes we were working at night on the wall, uh, rigging uh, for the next day. OMG. So you were, you were doing this sometimes in the dark. Yeah, with headlamps on and carrying 50-pound packs. Uh, you had to carry all your camera equipment and lenses and food and water for the day and oftentimes carrying 1,000 feet of rope. Uh, which is very heavy. And Alex is the fastest climber in the world in that kind of terrain. So, you know, we had to be able to move very quickly. Now, how does the, how did the challenges of filming free solo compare to some of the other challenges that you have um, had in your career filming? Like when you climbed Mount Everest, were you filming that as well? Yes. So how does how did this compare to Mount Everest? <laughs> it's very different. You know, Everest has other challenges like the altitude and the cold. Uh, in this film, you know, we really wanted to push the boundaries of the high angle cinematography. Uh, I've been filming, like I said, for 20 years in this kind of terrain. Uh, my team was extraordinary at filming in this terrain as well. So we wanted to take our collective experience and really push the craft. And so that meant carrying big, you know, uh, cinema cameras and cinema lenses and shooting at 4K and uh, being able to, you know, take everything we've learned and, and, you know, create something that was spectacular. Now, and you weren't allowed to use drones, correct? No. Um, why is that? Because it's national park. Yeah, you can't fly drones in national parks. So, how did you get the above angles that you see in the film? Well, most of the shots that we have are from the wall where we're hanging there and shooting. And there's a few aerials uh, where we had a helicopter that was three thousand feet above the valley rim so that it would be kind of out of sight, out of mind for Alex. And we had a big 1,500-millimeter lens that we were shooting from way up high. So could he hear the helicopter? Certainly. You could hear it, but it was very uh, dim. And even with, like, some of the breeze, you couldn't even hear it. So, Chai, when this was, they were filming, were you on the ground? Mm, I was on the valley floor. And yes. how did you feel about this? Was this, like, was this scary for you, knowing that you're husband and that the other team was up there aside from Alex? I mean, my feelings mostly had to do with Alex. I feel like Jimmy and the rest of the team, they're professionals. This is what they do for a living, and they do have ropes. Um, and they're really, really good at what they do. Um, I think that in the film, you see the cinematographer, Mikey Schaefer, who can't watch. Um, and I felt very much the same way. On the day of. On the day of. I mean, it was a terrifying, terrifying experience. Um <laughs> That made you question lots of stuff, like, why are we there? Why are we here? And you had to remind yourself of why we are there. Were you thinking that all along the way, or were you thinking that particularly on the day of? I think that communally, we all felt a weight for two years on our shoulders that had to do with the ethical responsibility of making this film. And we had to constantly talk about it. We had to negotiate the day-to-day -day and always remind ourselves of the why 
and why we believed in Alex and how we trusted him and trusted his judgment. Um, and also demand of ourselves the similar attention to detail and craft that Alex himself applies to his climbing. So on every level of the filmmaking, we knew we had to be that good and had to be that precise. So on the day up, so it was always this pressure, it was this weight that, you know, you can't shake off no matter what. And so on the day of, after he made it through the hardest parts, there was a certain moment where it just became absolutely beautiful and you understood that you were witnessing one of the greatest athletic achievements of all time. It was like witnessing history, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like totally witnessing history. Yeah. Like if you could be there when someone walked on the moon, it's not quite the same, but it's kind of the same. You know, there are these risks involved and it takes an audacious dream and this unbelievable drive and training to get to that moment. And then there was also the human part where we had spent so much time with him. We were all so close to him. We had lived through this like, grow, emotional growth that he experienced, both training as well as meeting his falling in love with Sonny. And you knew that he was having the most wonderful experience possible. This is exactly what he wanted to be doing. And that was a very beautiful thing. And I think, you know, then ultimately there was like a certain pride or like a satisfaction that kicks in where I was like, oh, our high angle team executed, did their job perfectly too. You know, not not only did Alex like execute his climb perfectly, that you know the high yes, angle cinematographers did. did it too, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it, it it truly was you know seeking perfection and achieving perfection. Yeah, I mean that literally what was what it was. Do you feel like um, that because this was such an enormous accomplishment? Is he going to set out to do something? similar again or do you feel that he is satisfied um with having done something like on this i mean just with this enormity of danger involved i think that part of him is probably satiated in terms of big free solos because after el cap there really isn't anything left (laughs) you know uh it's the first time anybody has or will ever free solo el cap and he uh, achieved it. Now, you said it took two years, and it was a wait of two years. Was that from the very beginning of talking about it? Was it the beginning of him training for it, and you were there filming him training? Alex has dreamed of doing this for 10 years. Um, We began talking about it shortly after um, our previous film, Meru, premiered. And so it was about two and a half years between our first discussions and when he actually summited. Um, we had a son in the meantime who's just about to turn three, so that the timing all worked out. You have two yeah. children, We do you? have two kids, yes. And so it was, that's when you guys began talking about it, and when did you actually begin filming? We began filming, um, we began filming in the fall of 2016, 2017, 2016. 2016, yeah. yes. In the fall of 2016, when Alex was on his book tour. And then there was a bit of a break. And do you think, did you think for any time that he might not go back at it? We knew it, he was always going to go yeah. back. I think it's reasonable to ask the question, but I think that, you know, the commitment that was involved, he was so committed to this v- dream. And it was more a question of when as opposed to if. 
Right. You know, he would take the time he needed to to do this. So you had the confidence yeah. that he would come back. We hope. I mean, like, barring injury. And like you see in the film, he does get hurt. Yes. And that was a big deal. Um, but I think you, it took that commitment not only on Alex's part, but also on our part and on the, on the filmmaking team's part to be able to say, like, we are going to live with this risk. We believe in you. And you take the time you need because it, there's absolutely no pressure from us. Um, let me just ask you a question about his... Uh, the ability to do this, you have to have an incredible amount of strength in your arms, your legs, don't you? Yes, I mean, he, he's an unbelievable athlete, for sure. You know, his endurance uh, is world class, and his strength and his technique, it's very, very technical climbing, meaning very difficult moves. Uh, but what makes him stand apart is his mental game. And there's no one who can touch his mental game. Well, clearly not. And you have done a magnificent job of capturing that and capturing his um, his inner thinking, like getting him to explain himself. And he's quite articulate. And um, the film is breathtaking. And, of course, there is talk about potential Oscar um, consideration. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed that uh, Free Solo gets nominated and that you all get nominated. And everybody who is listening, you must see this film. It's in the theaters now. And um, I'm telling you, I so I've seen it once. I definitely want to watch it again. <laughs> I, I think I might I might like it even better. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have been seeing it twice. Yeah, because there's so much to capture in it, and because it there's um, I mean it, the filmmaking is is fantastic, but it's just kind of the art of what he does. Like as you want to zero in on that more, I think, yeah. second time. Like, I think I could be more calm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everyone's got to go see Free Solo. And please um, come back and see us again. I'm sure you have a next project that you've started on, and we'd love to talk about it when it comes out. Thank you so much. So Thanks thank you. Thank, thank you. you.